Coming up on this week's WAC podcast, we'll have the commissioner, Jeff Hurd. We talked with Jeff about all the changes that have been made, adjusting fall sports this spring, basketball getting started here in just a few weeks, and tons more. It's such a great segment. So many changes. It's so 2020. There is so much going on. And then we had our WAC basketball preview last week. We're going to have Rachel's interviews with Chris Jans and Jabari Rice, as well as Dan Nielsen and Josie Williams. That's all ahead on the WAC podcast. Today's episode of the WAC Podcast is brought to you by Hercules Tires, the official tire of the Western Athletic Conference. Now here are your hosts, Eric Danner and Rachel Vigil. What's going on, everybody? Eric Danner and Rachel Vigil in the WAC Digital Network studios in Denver, Colorado. Basketball is just a few short weeks away, Eric. It is, and, and we're finally back to the normal WAC Podcast, if you will, because we took about a month off there because we're doing all these basketball previews and thanks to everybody for participating in those. We got a chance to talk with broadcasters, SIDs, uh, administrators at various schools about the upcoming season. And that culminated last week in our WAC basketball preview. So that was exciting, Rachel. And then, uh, as you mentioned, November 25th will be the start date. It's only a few weeks away now. Uh, but during our time off, we had some major announcements. We had yep. our basketball schedule came out and also that fall sports are officially moving to the spring. They are moving to the spring and it'll be interesting. And, you know, I was wondering why the schedules were so spread out and Jeff will talk a little bit about that later, but it all starts to make sense, right? Everything's kind of falling into place and hopefully we can just get sports started back up. It is. And it's going to be a little strange. I mean, just like it was a little strange to be watching the NBA finals in October. Uh, and, uh, you know, we had hockey and basketball and football and baseball all on at the same time. It's going to be kind of like that this spring as we're going to have all our normal spring sports along with the fall sports, along with basketball, along with swimming and cross country. So it's, it's going to be a pretty crazy uh, couple of months, but a good kind of crazy. We'll take this good kind of crazy. You're right. It's going to be like volleyball Monday and Tuesday. Then we're going to have soccer. Then we're going to have basketball and we'll just fill everything else in between. But I'm just so excited to have sports back. And it was great uh, last week, uh, Rachel, that you had a chance to talk to all these coaches and players from uh, all 18, because there's nine men's, nine women's, mm -hmm. uh, coaches and players uh, from around the conference. We had the, the new uh, teams Dixie with Dixie and Tarleton. And um, what, what were your thoughts on, on the whole, uh, I mean, it was kind of a whirlwind for us. It was over three days. Usually we do it in one day, which is even crazier, but we did it in three days, but you had a chance to really get a flavor for every school. It was really interesting to kind of hear all about like the different testing protocols and how each team is going about doing different things. And, you know, Utah Valley was going to play paintball that day, but New Mexico <laughs> State was couldn't even do 5v5. So there's so many different things and you hear it from the different perspective of each coach and player. But I mean, at the end of the day, they're all just excited to come back and play basketball. And I think that's what we're all looking forward to. Uh, but, you know, learning about Dixie and Tarleton too was, it's something we added and we added players this year too, because they were back in their um, states. So that was cool. Something we te technically couldn't do years prior, but I think another interesting part of that was I was like, why am I so tired after doing all of these? Right. <laughs> I'm like, we did it all in one day, but it's because we added those players and it's like right. doing 30 something interviews over three days. Like it's, it's a lot, but it's so much fun to sit down and do it all. And, and we did them on Facebook live as well. And that yep. was you know a little different as a zoom, it's great because you have this ability to uh, see everybody on, on video. And again, we couldn't even have done this a year or two ago. Uh, now it's on Facebook Live. But at the same time, there's going to be technical issues from yep. time to time. 
uh, as there are with any. But that's on par with 2020. Yeah, yeah, but it's also with technology. I mean, yep. there's there's going to be a little hiccups here and there, but for the most part, it went very well. And if you want to check those out, uh, we have those posted both on Facebook and YouTube. If you want to see those interviews that uh, Rachel did, and then also the media got a chance to participate in so cool. uh, quite a bit more media than we would normally see at our basketball preview as well. Yeah, I mean, the opportunity to just call in and be able to ask questions instead of hopping on a flight to go somewhere to ask questions add a whole new aspect to it. And a lot of good questions, things I didn't even realize about some of the players right. and some media members had those stories in their back of their pockets. So it was cool to hear those. And I mean, that also helped us out, you know, we don't get to spend every single waking day with these players and uh, do everything there. So it was cool to see some of the connections between different sports and different schools and, you know, family members. It was, it was cool to hear those stories. And we're going to see schedules uh, coming out uh, probably, I would think this week and the next two weeks, again, coach some are scrambling more than others. Uh, Tarleton, Billy Gillespie had a chance to talk with him and he mentioned they, they're going to Gonzaga, who's supposed to be preseason number one. They're going to Kansas, Kansas. preseason number three, Texas A&M uh, preseason top 10. So being a first-year transitioning school, they're, they're getting probably more opportunities. Hey, come out and play us rather than, say, New Mexico State. And the Aggies, mm -hmm. it sounded like from Christians, they were having a hard time finding people to come to the Pan Am Center to play. Yeah, definitely. And they already have a hard time because it's a tough place to play. Tough for, place to play. They're um, a very good team. And, yep, exactly. Yeah. That's been questions we've asked in your past. And uh, both uh, Coach Atkinson and Coach Jans are always like, it's tough to find people to want to come play here. So, uh, yeah, but talking about Tarleton, like you mentioned, A&M, Kansas, Gonzaga, those are tough, but it'll help them prepare for hopefully some teams in the WAC this year. And Billy Gillespie has, has played in those tough games. He's got a lot of experience. He obviously coached at Kentucky, mm -hmm. uh, national powerhouse, coached at Texas A&M, Texas Tech, and was in the WAC when he was at UTEP, was the WAC coach of the year. So that, uh, that'll be a lot of fun to see uh, their transition, as well as Dixie State. That, that's the other part that maybe we got a little deeper into this year, maybe than in years past is getting to know the lineups already a little bit. We haven't seen either of these teams play, but yep. uh, Dixie had some D1 transfers come in. Tarleton had a lot of Ranger College where Billy Gillespie was coaching mm -hmm. come in. And there's going to be a lot of new faces in the WAC this year, Rachel, both men's and women's, but they're, they're going to have big impacts right away. I can't wait to see if Dixie and Utah Valley start a traveling trophy. We asked both coaches <laughs> about it and they all seem like they're on board for it, but it would be so much fun. You know, here in Colorado, we've got CU and CSU and they've right. got a traveling trophy. And it's like, those are so much fun to watch and like participate in. So and even CSU Wyoming. Uh, yeah, true. Uh, right up the border. So uh, those are always fun. And I would love to see that here in the WAC. Well, part of the basketball preview was the uh, polls coming out, which were both the uh, coaches and media. No, no surprise at all that New Mexico State is picked to win the conference. They haven't lost a game in, uh, what was it, 31 uh, WAC games, yeah. I, I believe was the, the streak. And they, they had a 19-game win streak heading into the WAC tournament last year. But they do lose Traveling Queen and yep. Yvonne Arikoachea and, and a couple other players. AJ Harris. AJ Harris. But they do have some exciting new players coming in. And, and they look to, uh, I guess the old uh, cliche is that they uh, reload. They don't rebuild. They reload. Yeah. One thing too that I love about our schedule for this year is last time that New Mexico State lost, they lost to California Baptist in the first game for uh, right. uh, the Lancers as D1 and they open up with Dixie State. So again, another first team going in with their first game for D1 will be in conference play, I should say, will be against right. New Mexico State. You never know what can happen. That's why you play the game. That is why you play the game. And then on the women's side, a little more parity in the polls. Actually, a lot of uh, 
it's it's uh, different, uh, both the coaches and the media. Utah Valley picked uh, by the coaches to win. Yep. California Baptist picked by the media. media to win, but only by one point. But looks like it's going to be uh, – who, who knows who's going to win the league this year. Yeah, to be honest, I don't even know who I would have voted to win the league because it could just be completely all over. Why don't we get a vote, Eric? <laughs> Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, we should Because vote. we are unbiased uh, <laughs> journalists, that's why. That's true, but <laughs> – uh yeah I I honestly have no idea who will win the whack on the women's side this year I think it's just going to be really fun games to watch and I think even teams that maybe have not done so well in the past I think that they're gonna put some um, true pressure on some teams this year and CBU uh, with some players back from injury Brittany Thomas Caitlin Harper but Ane Oleda uh, as you learned from coach Olson she's been uh, banged up a little bit she's the preseason player of the year if they're healthy Maybe they're the team to beat, but yep. I think there's still some questions there. Utah Valley uh, started off, if you remember last year, at a horrible, uh, horrible non-conference time. and then got really hot, and yep. then they were kind of hot and cold and wound up as the number two seed yep. in the in the uh, WAC tournament. So uh, Dan Nielsen with his second year, uh, you figure they, they figure to be even better th- this year. Yeah, I mean, last year in the WAC uh, tournament before it got canceled, Seattle, you knocked them right out, you know, and they were on a hot streak, it felt like. Uh, so, I mean, it's just so much up in the air, but I'm just so excited for basketball to actually get started. Like, I'm, like, getting antsy. I'm, like, okay, it's officially November. Like, we're how many days? 23 days away? Like, it's coming so soon. Right, and uh, we'll hear from Jeff Hurd in our next segment, but one of the things that he, he mentions is you just don't know how things are going to play out with COVID. Yep. And we've seen this happen in college football where there's been a number of games canceled or people or coaches having to sit out or in Nick Saban's case, I guess the coach didn't have to sit out yeah. <laughs> even after testing positive. He had the whatever number it was to, yep. to get back on the field. But like Trevor Lawrence from yep. Clemson had to sit out. He has to sit out this week yep. again as well. We're seeing it in the NFL. Uh, of course, we do the show here in Denver and the Broncos had a couple coaches test positive and, and they had to sit out and I think they had a couple players mm-hmm. as well so I mean that's I, I guess everybody's you know under the same umbrella there they, they're all gonna have to deal with it this year I another part that I think is going to be really interesting and the MLS actually just had to deal with this is if the teams don't play the same amount of games how do you go about seeding that for the tournament right so for the MLS, um, the Rapids had missed a few games, so they ended up deciding to go with points earned per game. Now in soccer, if you win, you get three points. Mm-hmm. If you tie, you get one. If you lose, you get zero. So um, they went with points per game. And, you know, the Rapids had only played at the time 15 games when a lot of other teams had played 21. And, however, because they decided to go points per game, the Rapids actually end up making or are in a push to make the playoffs right now. So that's really interesting, and I wonder how that's going to go in basketball because there's no point system there really. Um, you know, you don't get three points if you win. So it'll be interesting to see how that kind of plays off. Well, if you remember at the very end of last year when Chicago State did not play Seattle U and Utah Valley the last weekend That's of the true. year, we did have, I mean, it's, it wasn't a point system, but yeah. it's, it, I forget exactly how it was determined because it wasn't a forfeit. So it wasn't a loss, I mm-hmm. believe, for Chicago State not to play in those games. But uh, it definitely did change the number of games each each team played. Yes. That's a good point. I didn't even think about that. But yeah, so how does that affect if, you know, some schools end up missing four ma- or four games right. or another? Yeah, yeah, is there a cutoff? Are you going to have to play a minimum yep. number of games to get in? Which, again, it's not their fault if they. No, absolutely. Unless, not. Um, yeah, it's, Safety's first through all of this. Yeah. 
Well, during our time off, uh, there was a couple of news events that have happened recently. Danny Mazowski mentioned the MLS, yep. the uh, two-time WAC Offensive Player of the Year from UNLV. He was named MLS Player of the Week. He was. He had an amazing goal plus an assist, too, in there. So it was definitely well-earned. And, yeah, if you have an opportunity to go check that out, um, his highlight reel from that match was incredible against LAFC. And, and yeah, he, so he plays for LAFC, which uh, I believe are they the ones that – where the Chargers were playing last year is that their home? I, I think there's two teams yeah, in LA. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember which stadium they play in, but uh, good news for Danny because he played in the USL quite a bit. Yeah. And I think he only had one goal on the season going into uh, that match. I think it was against San Jose when he had the two goals. Mm-hmm. Um, or Seattle. Oh, Seattle. Yep. Seattle Sounders. So, um, you know, defending champions, right? Yep, and, defending champs. And the Colorado Rapids beat the they Seattle They just Sounders. beat them uh, Sunday night, 3-1. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Rapids making a playoff push. Yes, they are. They are. They're trying. They needed a few things to go their way last night, and they could have clinched. One of the things went their way, and then the other, um, a team, so the LA Galaxy actually won against um, Real Salt Lake, and they needed a draw. Otherwise, they would have clinched. So, things are up in the air. Um, <laughs> and you had a chance to do, you, you do a show a companion show with the games. Yep. And we had Nikki Jackson on the podcast a few months ago yep. uh, as, as one of the top players of the past decade. And he's on injured reserve for the Rapids right now. And, yep. and he had a chance to join you on one of those shows. Yeah, he yeah. came on and talked with us. And uh, he actually just got engaged, too. Yeah. I saw that. So congratulations to him. But, yeah, he hopped on and, you know, talked Rapids with us for a little bit. And it was fun. It's a three-hour-long show. Um, <laughs> a lot of people here in the Denver area can't watch the Rapids matches. So they hop on. We kind of talk them through everything that we can, give them a little behind the scenes. It's a lot of fun to do. Awesome. And uh, a, a sad note, uh, this past weekend, former a whack coach of the year, Billy Tubbs, passed away at the age of 85. Uh, I remember uh, Billy Tubbs quite a bit, Rachel. It's a little before your time, but uh, he was the head coach at Oklahoma when they had some great teams with uh, Stacy King and with uh, Harvey Grant and with uh, Mookie Blaylock was their point guard. And But after that, he actually went on to TCU when they were in the whack and mm-hmm. TCU had a pretty good run. It was a, it was a sh- very short run, but they were burned very hot because Ladanian Tomlinson played at TCU in the whack during that time yeah. on the football side, basketball side. They went undefeated. They were 14 and 0 in 1998 in the whack, and that was the previous last time we had an undefeated men's basketball team until last year when New Mexico <laughs> State did it. So, uh, uh, you know, wish uh, condolences to all the family and friends of Billy Tubbs uh, passing away at the age of 85. What's one memory you remember, one game you remember from Billy Tubbs' time? Well, you know, I, I, w- I remember they had the Final Four run uh, with Oklahoma, but uh, at the time I was not a big Oklahoma fan, but a friend of mine was. Okay. And Mookie Blaylock was his uh, favorite player, and that just it's a cool name. So that's, that's my <laughs> Stuck <laughs> with, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably my favorite memory from that time. But uh, here we are in November, Rachel. Uh, Basketball is getting started, but uh, before we get to that, uh, voting is going to yes. be November 2nd. We're taping this on November 1st. Uh, we should have this out uh, hopefully later today, but uh, tomorrow the video version. Uh, but uh, November 2nd, we really had a big push. Uh, Randy Ward, who uh, just left us. Just left the uh, whack. She t- took another position, and you hear her on the podcast doing our – she's the voice uh, of, of the bumps that we have yep. and, uh, and the open and all that good stuff. Um, she did a really good job coordinating with SAC mm-hmm. and getting, uh, you know, uh, the, the word out uh, for students to get uh, registered. And I know we had several schools that had 100% registration 
uh, for voting this year. Yes, it's so important um, to go out and vote. And I feel like now more than ever to just get your voice to be heard, um, no matter which way you go to. Like, we're completely unbiased here in the WAC office, but whichever way you feel, it's just important to go out and vote. So whether you need to go out tonight or even tomorrow, there's tons of information available to everybody to go out and do that. And so many student athletes, too, are voicing their um, rights to go out and vote as well and to um, encourage other people to go out and vote. And I think it's really, really cool that we're seeing a lot of younger voices take the initiative to talk to like people their own age and be like, hey, like we have a voice, go out there, make sure it's heard. And yeah, tomorrow we got the election day. <laughs> It'll be going to be an interesting one. And yeah, we had Kat Harston on a while back, the WACSAC president from New Mexico State, a swimmer and diver. And uh, she was really pushing for this uh, legislation uh, where uh, student athletes in the mm -hmm. NCAA would not have practice or games. or games on the day of the election. Yep. And that, that was passed. So none of our student athletes will be uh, participating in either practice or games on election day so they have a chance to go to the polls if that's the way they they mm -hmm. need to vote obviously we live there in Colorado we both voted I voted two weeks ago yep I uh, voted last week I remember my first time voting I voted on election day right. because colleges make it so easy for you to go vote um, I didn't have to stand in any line it was just like a continuous moving circle and uh, that you think that's so important for colleges to continue to do. And if you remember the conversation with Kat, she lives here in Colorado, uh, but goes to school in New Mexico State. Yep. A lot of uh, student athletes, this is their first time voting in a presidential election. Mm -hmm. And they, they have to do, you know, the whole absentee ballot thing, which yep. I, I've never had to do that. So, so my hat's off to them for getting that done and figuring out uh, what they need to do to uh, have their voice heard. Yes, absolutely. And just to continue that um, voting like voting is power. So continue to do that. Go out and vote, make your voice heard. And yeah, we'll see what happens in this election. Well, speaking of power, our uh, next guest <laughs> is the commissioner of the Western Athletic Conference, our first four-time uh, guest on the WAC podcast. We're going to have Jeff Hurd coming up next. We would like to thank our sponsors of the WAC podcast, Hercules Tires and Adidas. Now back to Eric and Rachel. Welcome back to the WAC podcast. A lot going on in the WAC, as we mentioned in our last segment. And joining us now is the commissioner of the Western Athletic Conference, Jeff Hurd. Jeff, how's it going today? It's going well, Eric. Thank you. Uh, and, you know, now that we've turned the corner into November, uh, things are becoming a little more real as, as we get eventually started in our sports season. So I'm uh, looking forward to everything. Yeah, we are too, Jeff, and uh, it's it's been a seven-month process since we last saw action in the WAC in March, November 25th, the start-up date for basketball. Uh, that That's going to be non-conference games. The WAC announcing last week that conference games will be starting on January 8th, and a little different format this year, Jeff, due to the pandemic. Uh, there's going to be back-to-back -back games in the same location. So tell us a little bit about uh, what went into that uh, thought process and having the schedule like that this year? Well, it's, it's a good question. And it's, um, it, it took a uh, significant amount of time to, to really get to it. It took cooperation from our member institutions. It took cooperation from our coaches and administrators. But the bottom line really is that we were trying to find the best way to play a conference season and at the same time to reduce the chances of a COVID spread as much as we possibly could, uh, to limit travel as much as we possibly could. And we thought that the back-to-back -back, um, games in, at one site was the best way to do that, as opposed to trying to 
uh, maybe do a pod format where you had three or four teams in one place. So uh, medical advisory committee had a lot to do with it. And as I said, stated earlier, the cooperation from our member institutions also played a big role. When it comes to testing, what did the medical advisory board say for each school and how to handle that? Well, really, uh, in simplest terms, we're going to test three times a week. We're going to follow the NCA recommendations uh, from the Sports Science Institute and Dr. Brian Hainline, Hainline their, uh, their recommendations. But it's three tests a week, uh, not on consecutive days. And, uh, you know, so that's. Uh, you know, I think the best format for us, uh, and it's uh, one that allows us, quite quite frankly, to probably uh, have the best outcome as as we move forward uh, for our institutions from a cost standpoint, uh, from availability of testing standpoint, and from the um, ability to play games as much as we possibly can. We're talking with Jeff Hurd, Commissioner of the Western Athletic Conference, and. Jeff, with that new conference schedule on uh, nine weeks, uh, everybody's going to have a bye. Everybody's going to be playing those back-to-back games, uh, one location. Does that impact the conference tournament at all, or how, how does that look right now? Well, it could, Eric. I think the biggest um, unknown really is, are we going to be able to play all the games? And, you know, if you look at what's going on right now, the collegiate football ranks and what's likely and what's happened, you know, even the professional ranks, you have to anticipate that there's going to be times uh, when games are not going to be able to be played, and you're probably going to have an uneven number of, of games played by member institutions as we go down, you know, through the season. We don't know what that what those numbers are going to be, uh, but we know something's going to happen uh, that's probably not going to allow for games to be played. And as it affects the tournament, uh, you know, we're still going to see teams. We still plan on playing a 17 tournament. Uh, now, some teams may have played 14 conference games, and some may have played 10, uh, but we'll figure out a way from a, uh, you know, how we're going to seed them as we go through the season and, and have everybody show up and we'll play. We still plan to play our tournament at the Orleans Arena in Las Vegas. What have you, you heard about March Madness and what that will look like this spring? I think the, uh, again, it's like everything else, a lot of unknowns. The NCAA, um, Basketball committee, men's and women's basketball committees, along with Danny Gabbitt, uh, the head of the men's basketball uh, piece of this, um, putting in a lot of time uh, trying to figure out what the best way to go is, whether there's going to be fans or not. As we talk today, uh, the plan is to have the tournament run as as scheduled. That will have a three-week, uh, you know time frame for the regionals and for the for the Sweet 16 and the Final Four, probably the biggest question mark is whether there's going to be fans or not. And if we have fans, you know, how many? Uh, is it 10% of the arena? Is it 20% of the arena? Is it 5%? We don't know yet. Uh, so uh, barring something unforeseen today, uh, that's the plan right now moving forward. Well, a lot of the questions still up in the air, Jeff, but uh, last week we did have our whack basketball preview and in years past we've had that in denver and the coaches would come in and we'd get a chance to sit down with them and last week rachel had a chance to interview coaches and players this year via zoom obviously with the pandemic uh, trying to limit 
travel and those kind of things. Did you have a chance to uh, to check that out? And I guess you, you're a Zoom pro now, Jeff. Uh, you've probably <laughs> been on more Zoom calls than, than anybody I know, but that seems to be uh, kind of the way things are being done now. It is, and I, and I did check it out. And quite frankly, I wanted to find out myself how our teams look and what the coaches think. And so we have a lot of new faces in, in the league this year. We have a, a format that's, that's uh, certainly um, the first of its kind that we've had. Uh, and so there's a lot of unknowns as we move forward in the conference. And, you know, I, I enjoyed the format and being able to hear from coaches and, and players, both on the men's and women's side. Uh, I don't know if that's a precursor of things to come in future years, but for this year, I, I thought it was a, an excellent format and one that um, uh, caused a minimum amount of disruption in the, uh, from a travel standpoint uh, and from a, um, uh, you know, from coaches and players being away from practice and, and you know, things such as that, uh, it allowed them to, to be in one place one, one time and, and also allowed us to be able to find out and our fans to find out, uh, you know, what, what they how they look at the season right now. It was so much fun last week sitting down and talking <laughs> with everybody, and you can just tell the excitement is building and building and building. I'm looking forward to the season starting here in just a few short weeks. Yes. Another season that's going to be coming up is fall sports were moved from 2020 to the spring of 2021. What was the decision process behind that, Jeff? Well, last fall, when it became apparent that we were not going to have uh, being able to play in the, you know, have our fall sports played as scheduled. Uh, what was determined at the time by the board of directors was that we would study the feasibility of being able to play those sports in the spring. And that went along uh, with the NCAA doing the same relative to championships in the spring. And as we, as we looked forward and tried to figure out if it was possible, uh, you know, it's not, it's not an easy thing. Uh, institutions have to uh, not only uh, determine how they're going to be able to play their, you know, play winter sports and spring sports along with fall sports at certain periods of time all at the same time, uh, and how they're going to be able to, to host those events, uh, how they're going to be able to travel, uh, how they're going to be able to put it all together, certainly not an easy thing. But, you know, through the work of our staff, through the cooperation of the universities, we were able to put together spring schedules in a modified form. Uh, we're still gonna conduct our conference championships with the exception of the indoor track and field championship. And uh, you know, we're gonna move forward. And, and again, you know, we, we, we're, we're sure, not sure of the problems that we're gonna run into relative to uh, testing formats and, and whether we're gonna be able to play all the games as scheduled. Uh, but that's our plan right now and uh, look forward to getting started. Yeah, Jeff, uh, with volleyball in particular, uh, they're going to be starting towards the end of January. They, they adopted a similar format as basketball. They'll be playing those back-to-back -back, uh, matches, but they're moving to Monday, Tuesday, which I guess makes sense because usually volleyball season isn't the same time as basketball season. So I, I assume that a lot has to do with the uh, facilities being available, having it on Monday, Tuesday. Yeah, no question. It has to, it has to do with facilities being available. It has to, be, has to do with staff being available. Uh, and it's not just basketball and volleyball. You also, you know, we have institutions that have other spring sports and other winter sports going on at the same time. So theoretically, uh, you could have a situation if we were playing volleyball, say on the Friday, Saturday, or Saturday, Sunday, you could have an institution having a home soccer game, whether it be a men's game or a women's game. You could have them having a home 
a baseball or softball game, a basketball game, a volleyball, volleyball match, all going on at the same time. So that's what we're trying to avoid by spreading out schedules as much as, much as we possibly can. And uh, you know, I, I think as we move forward, it's not like I said earlier, it's not going to be easy for institutions. But I think our model is is uh, put together as well as it can be. Uh, cross country championships were moved to February, typically when the indoor track and field championship would be. You mentioned it earlier that that was being canceled. What was the decision to cancel that championship? Really, two reasons, and probably the biggest one was a lack of available facilities uh, to be able to to conduct the, the championship. Another one was the number of individuals that you have in one location. And that has to do with COVID and how you protect everybody um, against the spread of the disease. So that has something to do with it also. Uh, and then the fact that the indoor track championship from an NCAA standpoint and the indoor, excuse me, not the indoor, but the cross country national championship was also scheduled, I believe it was three or four days apart. Uh, so we felt that uh, our best option uh, to, was to retain our outdoor championship along with the cross-country championship. And because of facilities issue and because of the COVID issue that has more to do again, as I said earlier, with a large number of people in one place to be able to have an indoor championship, uh, that the best option was to, at least on a one-year basis, uh, to move forward without the indoor championship. And as you mentioned, Jeff, there will be an outdoor track and field championship still scheduled in May at UTRGV. And spring sports will be starting up before we know it as well, baseball, softball. I mean, we, there's been so much going on trying to get basketball off the ground. What does uh, the spring sports schedule look like, or have we got that far? I haven't gotten that far yet. We, we've certainly looked at it internally and looked at potential options. You know, one could be, for instance, baseball format. We right now play a, a Monday, or excuse me, a Friday, Saturday, Sunday single game schedule. Now, could that be reduced to a doubleheader one day and a single game the next? Possibly. Uh, but we'll get input from, from all our coaches, our spring coaches, uh, our team sports, obviously, and also for those sports that conduct only a, uh, from a conference standpoint, a conference championship and not conference regular season play. Uh, much as we did for volleyball, much as we did for basketball, we'll have input from all the uh, concerned parties there, coaches, administrators, and, and come to a conclusion that works best for everybody concerned. And, and quite frankly, we don't know three months from now what the status is going to be relative to the virus and whether there'll be, uh, whether it'll be you know, further along than it is right now or whether there'll be a, a perhaps a vaccine that's been developed before then. So, so a lot, of, a lot of unknowns and and we have a little bit of time before we have to determine uh, an exact format for many of the spring team sports. Jeff, we touched a little bit on testing, but I want to know how many times was the testing protocol updated over the past couple of months? <laughs> That's a good question, uh, Rachel. And, and I, I would say, and I'm, I'm kind of going off the top of my head here, but at least three or four times. And we have followed um, from the beginning the advice of our medical advisory committee, which has followed uh, very closely the advice of the NCA and the Sports Science Institute. Uh, and uh, even what we know today could change in a week or two or a month. We don't know, but based on our knowledge today, that's we had to make decisions uh, you know, for those sports that are coming up 
you know, fairly soon. So we understand it's a, still a very fluid um, situation. Uh, we monitor it on a weekly basis. Our, our medical advisory committee meets uh, via Zoom once a week. Our administrators meet once a week. And the NCA uh, uh, medical experts are in, in constant communication, uh, if not daily, certain, certainly many times a week. Uh, and so all those things come together at some point and we all stay in touch. And uh, from a conference standpoint, the CCA, the Collegiate Commissions Association, uh, meets several times a week via Zoom. And so we're all trying to monitor our own situations at the same time, uh, gain information from what others are learning and what they're doing. Uh, Jeff, Father Steve Sunborg announced from Seattle U that he'll be retiring at the end of this school year. I know this is a guy had a lot to do with the wax staying afloat uh, during that tumultuous time back uh, seven, eight, nine years ago. And you as commissioner, I know you, uh, you'll, you'll miss Father Steve as well. I will. Steve has been a, um, uh, let me back up a little bit. He, he's a very unique individual in terms of the people I've dealt with in my career. And I mean that in every way, the most positive way you can think of. Steve is a, he's a consensus builder. He's a, um, he's a stabilizer. Uh, he's a guy, he's a leader. Uh, he's one of the best I've ever seen, if not the best, in being able to dissect situations, um, you know, dissect situations that are controversial perhaps, or those that are very, very difficult to handle. And he's able to handle them. He's able to provide advice. He's been able, he's been able to analyze. Uh, just a very unique individual. And, and I think the world of him, he's been a, uh, quite frankly, a personal mentor to me. Uh, I've learned a lot, uh, you know, in, in my own job, you know, from him and taking advice from him on several occasions. And he'll be missed. Uh, you know, for Seattle University, he's been, I believe it's been a 24-year career as a as the president of the university, uh, he's he's guided, you know, the school through a, through both good and bad times. Uh, he's been a stabilizer there. He's 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 had uh, the growth of the university is is primarily to his credit. Uh, and I you know I just uh, I, he's going to be missed. I guess the best way I can put it, and I know that's said a lot when people uh, retire or when they move on to other positions, but in this case. It's, it's very much true. Uh, Steve will be missed in every way, both personally, professionally, and for all the people he, he's touched throughout his career, whether they've been students at the university, faculty at the university, or boosters or, or graduates, or, or those associated with the university, will miss him greatly. 24 years. Long time. Well, that's my entire life there. <laughs> well, congratulations to him on a successful career, and we wish him all the best going forward and whatever freedom may happen to him. I mean, retirement, yeah. you can go do whatever you want, right? Theoretically. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe yeah, not theoretically. in 2020, but <laughs> uh, definitely wishing him the best. And Jeff, this is your fourth time on the podcast here, and you always end with words of wisdom. So what words of wisdom do you have for us today? <laughs> Uh, well, the best, the best one I could come up with right now, we all know what kind of uh, events we've all gone through since the beginning of this semester and as we look forward to the start of the basketball season in, in the second, second semester. Uh, the best words of advice I could give is when things get crazy, just make sure you don't. <laughs> 
And that's very that's what I'm trying to work nice. on right now, and I, I you know, try to keep try to stay off the ledge as much as I can, and uh, you know, try to guide us through, try to guide our league through uh, what's what's uh, forthcoming in the next few weeks and months. And uh, there'll be a day when we'll all be able to sit down and look back at this and 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 wonder uh, how we got through it, and know that we did the best we could to get through it. Well, definitely stay off that ledge, Jeff. If people are watching the video, they can see the, the traffic on I-25 behind you. So you'd be in trouble if uh, you got up on the ledge. No, I appreciate that. I, I definitely will do that. All right, that is Jeff Hurd, Commissioner of the Western Athletic Conference. Coming up next, we're going to have Rachel's interview with Chris Jans and Jabari Rice of New Mexico State. You're listening to the WAC Podcast. Hercules Tires is the official tire of the Western Athletic Conference and for over 65 years has been providing tires with unbeatable quality at an unmatched value. Whatever the vehicle and whatever the terrain, Hercules Tires invites you to ride on our strength. For a retailer near you, visit HerculesTires.com. Welcome back to the WAC Podcast. As we mentioned earlier in the show, we had WAC, the WAC Basketball Preview uh, last week, which was uh, over the course of three days. And Rachel, you had a chance to interview Chris Jans and Jabari Rice. Coach Jans, the three-time WAC Coach of the Year. They're picked to win the conference yet again. Yep. And Jabari is the preseason player of the year. Yep. No surprise there that they're picked to win. They're quite the powerhouse here in the WAC. But great conversation. You hear Chris Jans talking about what this preseason has looked like. It's different than years in the past, but Jabari keeping it very real too about how he as a leader is helping this team prepare for the season. How are you? Pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, let's start with you while we wait for Coach Jans. Mm. Preseason player of the year. What does that honor mean for you? Um, it's a, I'm pretty happy about it. You know, uh, I worked for uh, I work for a lot more than that, but it's pretty uh, good to see that people are noticing that and my hard work is paying off. You say you work for a lot more. What are you working for? Uh, just working to win a lot of games, go undefeated, you know, as every team in the NCAA, win championships, cut down nets, and just reach the best uh, potential that me and my team can be. Coach Jans, you also joined. How are you? Good, thanks. Good. I know there's a lot of strict COVID protocols going on in New Mexico. What are practices looking like? Uh, different than the normal. It's been um, an interesting time for all of us dealing with the pandemic and, uh, and specifically for our basketball team right now with the recent restrictions that were placed upon us. So we've had to be creative and try to do as good as we can each day. And we talk about it as a team a couple of times in the last few days that, you know, we talk about adversity a lot in sports and uh, we've uh, been placed, uh, you know, a big old pile of adversity has been placed right in front of us, if you will. So we're trying to work through that and, uh, and find ways to continue to get better, even though it's frustrating because uh, we're one of four teams across the country uh, that has these restrictions right now, uh, other than positive tests. They're not because of, of positive tests, they're because of, um, you know, governor's mandate or guidelines. So it is what it is, and we're trying to work through it. You mentioned that adversity. How do you feel like the team is handling that? You know, I like, I don't, uh, I try not to speak for our guys, but um, from my perspective, uh, pretty well. Uh, they don't like it. They're frustrated. 
our, our level of frustration is pretty high right now from, from the top down because um, they want to get after it. They want to compete. They want to get better. They want to do the things that we've done around here in the fall for quite some time. And uh, we're aim, unable to do that right now. So um, again, all we can do is, is uh, try to adapt as best we can. And that's what we're doing. But uh, I know there's a level of frustration uh, throughout our program right now. And we're trying to work through it. Jabari, on that same note, as a player, how do you feel that the team is handling that adversity? Um, it's kind of hard to handle because, like Coach said, we want to get after it, and that's what we're used to, going five on five and going hard the whole time, competing and getting after it. And most of our drills are competitive and just trying to get better with each other, and that's how we get better every day. And so us not being able to compete as much as we do and, and like, just be together together as much as we are and it's kind of hard but I feel like these times bring out the tougher teams and I feel like we're one of those tougher teams. Coach I know Aggie fans are patiently awaiting the non-conference slate. Can you give us a little insight into who you'll be playing? Uh, unfortunately I can't. Um, I know some teams are uh, unfolding their non-conference slate and uh, for whatever reason we're still uh, struggling to find games that fit with days, et cetera. I mean, every coach in America has talked about how tough scheduling is and now add a pandemic to it, add a late start. So it is what it is. And, um, you know, hopefully we can put one together here shortly and, and roll it out. But um, we're doing the best we can to, to put one together uh, uh, considering the circumstances. Coach, quite a few players left last year's program, a lot of them playing professionally or hoping to play professionally. One of those players is guard Trevel and Queen. How do you go about replacing somebody like him? You know, everyone loses good players every year. Uh, it's just what happens in college basketball. And as a staff, as the program, you anticipate those departures and you do the best you can in, in terms of uh, fulfilling those slots, if you will, in recruiting, et cetera. And, um, you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, um, we're no different than a lot of teams out there. They lose good players every year, and it's just an opportunity for someone else to step up. And uh, we don't ever talk about replacing guys. We just talk about, you know, having competition up and down the roster and having competition, more importantly, at each position. You know, that's more important to me than anything else is uh, I want guys uncomfortable. I want guys that, that um, know they can't relax um, because if they do, there's someone waiting in the wings to steal their minutes. And I think that's uh, been a, a real positive for us for the most part. And then eventually, you know, some guys just separate themselves and everybody in the gym knows uh, that they're going to be playing, you know, max amount of minutes in our program. And we've got a couple of those guys in it right now. You're talking to one of them and um, he's earned that right. You know, he's earned that right because of his productivity on the court, but more importantly, because of his day-to-day -day, uh, work ethic and focus. But, um, you know, we'll, we, we've got, we had some guys waiting in the wings and uh, they're hungry to show, you know, people that follow us that they can play too. And so um, that's just a part of what happens uh, when you have good players. Jabari, with some of the new faces on this team, how as a leader do you help them adjust to this program? Uh, just being more vocal, you know, more vocal than anything. Uh, talking them through it, a lot of things, just, I don't know, I feel like a lot of how I was just, that's how I learned, just the guards talking to me and just watching back from Terrell and Trev and those type of guys, vocal guys like Sean Buchanan, just learning from them makes it easier this year to, you know, kind of speak more, but also it's 
it's kind of different, you know, it's kind of more challenging because I have to step up more than I had to last year because there's a lot of more new guys and they're just kind of new to the system. But we, the guys that we have are, like you said, hungry and they always compete and they just have the same mentality. They're all trying to win. So that's the good thing. Coach, in years past, your program has been praised for having depth on the charts and just on the bench as well. How does that help now with the new schedule of playing back-to-back -back on Friday and Saturday? Well, first of all, um, Jabari made a comment about uh, he's had to learn to be more verbal, and it's been more of a challenge. And I would uh, counteract that with that he's always been verbal since he's arrived. Uh, he's not afraid to uh, speak his mind. Um, and, and what he's learned to do is, is do it in a productive way, in a, in a leadership way, uh, rather than in a combative way uh, with, with people that are trying to help and teach him. And that's been a joy as a coach to watch um, him transform that way from uh, you know, being one of the guys that um, want to prove everyone every day how good they were um, and, and would have some, some talk uh, along the way. And then now he's in a position where uh, he's actually helping um, other guys. So it's really fun to watch people mature that way when you have them, you know, three, four, five years at a time like Jabari is right now. So uh, in terms of our depth, um, you know, I, I don't think because of being known for depth that that'll have anything to do with this year. I mean, it's a new team, a new squad, new issues. Um, you know, we still got a couple kids um, that we're working on waivers for. Um, so I, I can't really comment on, you know, what that's going to feel like or look like once we get into January, February. But, um, you know, we had to do what we had to do as a league to, to make it as safe as possible. Uh, it's going to be an uneven year. In, in sports, it's going to be an uneven year, period, obviously. So, um, you know, unfair, fair, all that kind of stuff. I think you throw that out the window this year. And um, I think everybody would agree that we just want to play. You know, we just want to compete. We just want to uh, do what we do. And um, hopefully uh, that, that will happen um, sooner than later. So a uh, great job with Chris Jans and Jabari Rice there, Rachel. Coach Jans, when we got into the media portion of the interview got into it a little bit more about how they they have quite a few restrictions right now in the state of New Mexico regarding practice and all that good stuff. Yeah, it was something we touched on earlier in the show too is they can't even do 5v5. So their restrictions are definitely more locked down than a lot of other schools in the WAC, but I know at the end of the day Christians will put together a good program that can go forward and play some tough opponents and here in the WAC and you know they'll probably win games so I have no <laughs> doubt in my mind that they'll be able to work around those restrictions and still put together a quality team. Yeah if history is any indication that <laughs> Mexico State will win some games in the WAC. When we come back we're going to talk a little women's basketball here on the WAC podcast. We would like to thank our sponsors of the WAC podcast Hercules Tires and Adidas. Now back to Eric and Rachel. Welcome back to the WAC podcast. Again, as we mentioned earlier, in women's basketball, it's a lot tighter of a race uh, in terms of the polls uh, and who's going to win this year. We have uh, both Utah Valley and California Baptist, depending on which poll you're looking at. Uh, Utah Valley, you had a chance to talk with Coach Dan Nielsen and with Josie Williams, the uh, six foot five post player. Had a chance to talk to them. They talked a little bit about their schedule, how they're meshing old and new players together to create hopefully a force that can go out and win games. Great conversation. Dan Nielsen talking about that schedule again. So excited to see all their opponents they're going to play. It's a great interview. Look forward to it. 
Welcome back to the WAC Basketball Preview presented by Hercules Tires. I'm Rachel Vigil, now joined by Dan Nielsen, the head coach of women's basketball at Utah Valley, as well as junior center Josie Williams. How are you both? Can you hear me? Well, we got you now. We can hear you. Perfect. How are you? You know, we're doing well. Just uh, glad it's warming up a little bit here today. It's been cold the last couple days. And uh, right when we're done here, we'll go straight into practice. So we're doing well. Here in Denver, we got some snow. What about in Orem? We, we got a little bit. You know, I've lived here for 20 years, but I grew up in Texas. And so every time it snows, it still makes me mad. Um, so just a little bit, but it's, it's all gone now. We're all right. Well, Coach, I want to ask you, last year, the preseason coaches poll, you were picked fifth. This year, you're picked to win the whole thing. What was the initial reaction from you when you saw that? Uh, you know, it, it probably comes across as like coach speak, but it doesn't really mean anything. I mean, just like you said, last year, I think we were picked sixth in one and seventh in the other, and we were able to finish tied for second. And This year, I think it more speaks to the parity in the league. Um, you know, we didn't get the most first place votes. Cal Baptist did. And so I think it just shows there was a wide range of voting and, um, you know, a lot of people aren't sure, which could make for a fun league this year where I think it's up for grabs and obviously we're confident we'll have a chance, but uh, um, by no means would I say that poll really mean, means anything. So, Josie, you get that nod for the first place. What will it take to bring home the regular season championship year? Um, I think for us, it's just going to take a lot of consistency. Um, through our whole bench. I think this year we have a lot of depth and utilizing that I think will be a big uh, key factor in that. And so we're just excited and ready to play. What are practices looking like now in Orem? Uh, I mean, for us, you know, we've been really lucky throughout, uh, you know, once we were able to get going in the summer, kind of mid-July, um, we've been lucky with the protocols we have in place. We've been able to stay healthy and safe and um, just have one little minor shutdown in, in August. But since then, we've been able to be on the court and uh, getting after it. And so for us, we feel really lucky that for the most part, things are as normal as can be. Um, you know, maybe not right now. They're starting practice. They're probably enjoying it because I'm not in there. So um, so it might be a little weird for them right now. But no, it's it's been really good. And um, like Josie said, I think with our, our depth this year, um, our practices have been a little more competitive, which has been positive. I think it's helping us to, to improve and be ready for league play. Josie, with Coach not being there, how have you had to step up in the leadership role? <laughs> um, Coach, he hasn't not been there a lot, but I think for me as a leader, it's just been, it's been a good opportunity uh, for me to um, hold me accountable, but also um, just being a good teammate to my teammates and helping them in the best way that they can with everything that's kind of been crazy right now. Um, so just, um, I, I already said something about consistency, but for me to be consistent, I think it'll help our team to be consistent. So, yeah. Coach, what can you tell us about the non-conference slate? Yeah, we're, we're really excited about it. Um, we should be releasing it here in the next little bit, you know, with everybody scrambling to get stuff done. We're trying to get some contracts done, but um, we're really excited about, uh, we got some really competitive games, been able to keep things mostly regional um, to, to avoid you know, lots of travel. But uh, we have some really competitive games with a lot of our in-state teams um, and, and kind of regional teams. I think, uh, you know, Pac-12 game, West Coast Conference, um, you know, some Mountain West games. So we're, we're excited. We're, we want to push ourselves um, and, and play teams that will make us ready for conference. Um, it's always a fine, fine line of, you know, scheduling games. You're like, hey, that's a for sure win or not. But for us, our goal is to, you know, try and win the WAC every year to be prepared for that. I think we have to play teams 
um, that'll push us outside our comfort zone. So we're definitely doing that. We have uh, you know all nine games scheduled for the preseason, and uh, we'll keep our fingers crossed we get to play most of them. Dixie State is now part of the WAC, which is just a short car ride for all of you. What are the odds that we get a traveling trophy between the two schools? You know, I'll have, I'll have to talk to my boss, to Jared Assumption, uh, our athletic director, about that. I think that'd be a that'd be a good idea. You know, if not a trophy, we can probably find some sort of wrestling belt or something in the interim um, and make it fun. But no, I'm excited to have Dixie in the league. Um, I think rivalries are fun. Um, I love going to St. George and you know, I've known their coach, J.D., for a long, long time, um, you know, probably 15-plus years, and he does a heck of a job. And um, just excited to play those guys. They have a lot of players, you know, from the state that we know. And so um, rivalries are good. I think you get more people out to those games. And I think for women's basketball, that would be not just great for the WAC, but in our state, kind of building up uh, the following that women's basketball has. So I'm really, really excited to have them in the league with us. Josie, it's Coach 2 for Coach Nielsen. What makes it so easy to buy into his programs? Um, well, for me personally, it's him and it's also his supporting assistant coaches. Uh, they do such a good job of setting the tone um, in practices and in games of just what we want to accomplish. And I think uh, they make the goal clear that we want to be competitive and we want to be a program, not just in Utah, but in the country that competes and um, wins championships. And I think that they've done a really good job of setting that tone and that culture uh, for us as players to follow. And they've recruited, uh, I think, the pieces that we need to do that. So, yeah. That's, you that's were Josie. named. Josie gave a, a great PC answer there. She, really, they all put up <laughs> with my bad jokes. And they want to play hard so they don't have to hear more of them. So that's really what it is. That's true, too. <laughs> well, Josie, you were named to the first team all-whack team for preseason. What about your game last year ultimately led coaches to vote you in this year? Um, I think, uh, just being a post presence, uh, down low, um, probably led them to that. But, um, I think more, um, this year, uh, I think we lost some, uh, contributing factors. And I think that, uh, Maria, myself, and a lot of the rest of us are going to have to fill those shoes. And I think we're more than capable of doing that. And so, um, yeah. Which matchup are you looking forward to most? Um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to play Dixie because they're in state and like coach was saying about the rivalry, but I also think um, it'll be fun to play Cal Baptist. Um, really anyone. I'm just excited to play again and grateful that we have the opportunity to. So Utah Valley women's basketball, definitely one to watch uh, this upcoming season. Uh, Rachel, uh, we have a lot more basketball to talk about in the next few weeks as we, we lead up to November 25th. I know it's coming up. It's going to be here before we know it, hopefully. And, um, like Jeff mentioned, you know, times are changing all the time, but we just got to keep being fluid and moving with it. And hopefully we got basketball here in about three weeks. All right. Uh, thanks to uh, Jeff Hurd for joining us on the show today. And thank you for listening to the WAC Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And check out our website at WACSports.com.